Hello and welcome to the CDI podcast. I'm Dylan Edgel, Assistant Director of the University of Central Arkansas Center for Community and Economic Development. Today we're joined by a very special guest, Monisa West. Monisa is the Director of Federal Programs at the Arkansas Department of Higher Education, who also has an incredible career in the community and economic development space. Monisa is also a graduate of the Community Development Institute. Monisa, welcome. Hey, not only a graduate, but one of the first graduates. Nice. Oh, first class. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Been a while. It's been a while. But yes. Awesome. Well, to start us off, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about your career and and how you got to where you are today? Well, I'm old enough that I've been around the block a few times, but uh, never really, really planned a career. Um, I currently teach a career development class. And and one of the theories in that is um, has something to do with called happenstance. And happenstance is when you are um, given unexpected opportunities. And so that's kind of been the nature of my career. I started out and I'm, I'm going to give my age away. Um, my very first job was washing dishes. My mother was a cook at the restaurant and I washed the dishes and they paid me all of 75 cents an hour. And that didn't last long because the breakage cost was pretty high having me in the kitchen there. My career goal, Dylan, was to be a waitress because this restaurant had a Native American motif to it. And the waitresses had these headbands with a feather and these uniforms had fringe on it. And I thought, oh man, I wanna be a waitress when I grow up because that's what I wanted to do. Fortunately, my horizons expanded a little bit and uh, I moved on to other things. But in terms of happenstance, I went from working in food service to being a radio DJ simply because I had heard that this radio station locally needed a DJ and I was too dumb to know that that I was probably too young and a girl in 1969 to be broadcasting on the air. But, you know, like most communities, you just wade off into it. You see what you can do and they hired me. So I was a radio DJ and then went from that into probably what I really intended for myself all along and that was in corporate America, someplace where I could um, take care of myself, uh, have a good life. And probably at that point in life, that meant nice clothes and a fast car. I mean, you know, your, your objectives change over time. But uh, so anyway, I spent 26 years at Southwestern Bell, started out as a service rep in the local business office and ended up their director of economic development when I took an early out. And uh, I always knew that to work, but a friend of mine who was the director of higher ed at that time needed a couple of special projects done. And I was just going to be here for like six months. And that was 17 years ago. So I have made myself a second little career here at Department of, of uh, at Division of Higher Ed. So it's been a great career. I've had wonderful experiences, but all because of happenstance. You know, I didn't plan any of this. And I think I ended up exactly where I should have ended up. That's awesome. Yeah, that's 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 such an interesting story. You have a pretty uh, eclectic career there. Yeah, yeah, you might say. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's that's what we've seen in a lot of these interviews is that a lot of people have these kind of diverse backgrounds that they all bring to this this field. And I think that makes it makes it stronger. And I, Dylan, I think this whole happenstance thing, really, there's some learning there for communities, too. Yeah. You know, communities have a plan. I had this kind of plan in my head. And I think most communities have a plan in their head, whether it's written down on paper or not. But but you have to you have to have your mind open to even recognize that a new opportunity presented itself and whether or not you're interested in it and whether or not you have prepared yourself leading up to that opportunity 
and then deciding whether it's a good opportunity or if you just need to stay pat or what. But uh, a lot of similarities there with where, the, where I think communities find themselves these days. That's, that's super interesting. And now, now you're the Director of Federal Programs at the Arkansas Department of Higher Education. So yeah. uh, can you talk a little bit about your role there? Well, uh, I manage two federal programs and they're somewhat related, uh, but the first one is the Carl Perkins program. And that is federal money that comes down from the Department of Education uh, that's intended for high schools and, and community colleges to improve their, their career and technical education, nursing, allied health, um, skilled trades, manufacturing, IT, all of those kinds of things. And so it's about strengthening those programs at the college level. The other program is the Arkansas Community Pathways Initiative. And it's, it's a, it was a unique program 15 years ago, started in Arkansas, and it uses TANF money, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. It uses TANF monies in a creative way to get low-income parents uh, enrolled in either college for college credit at the community college or in short-term training programs so that they are work ready uh, they can meet the demands of local industry, but more importantly, they get to move off of government benefits. They are much less dependent upon government benefits, and that's that's one of the key key goals of, of using the TANF money anyway. And it has um, my role in that program. In those two programs, is really just to be the director of that, make sure that that we're being as effective as we can, that we are compliant with federal uh, guidelines, and we're meeting the goals uh, goals of the program. Both of those communities, I, I would, both of those programs, I think, really have an impact on communities. You know, the Perkins program meets industry training needs. And then CPI, oh, Dylan, it changes people's lives. Perkins is on a program level, but uh, CPI is very personal. For example, think of this, a 19-year-old with her own child, and she's responsible for her three siblings, because her mother is incarcerated for drugs. And that young lady now is a nurse practitioner. Wow. And then there's the young man that was that I know of that I talked to, wandered from dead end job to dead end job. And he really liked to travel and he didn't know what he wanted to do. And so he ended up at the community college and got his CDL license. And so now he's driving this tricked out truck that he has and he's hauling bulls, you know, like moo cows, bulls nationwide in his tricked out truck for a farming operation and he is earning, Dylan, we might want to change careers here, upwards of $2,000 a week. Wow. So he's, both of those students have gone from very dire circumstances or in misdirected circumstances to really being, having a wonderful life, not only for themselves, but they're changing generations because those children that are in those families see a whole different set of options for themselves going forward. And uh, that's why I say CPI changes lives, multiple generations. That's, that's amazing. It sounds like incredible and very fulfilling work. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, the biggest, the biggest thing I do during the day is zoom, 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 <laughs> zoom. Right. You know, I don't think it's going to get much better, but I, I get to do all the fun stuff. I get to plan and budget and, and organize and, and do all those kinds of fun things that uh, I just find really thrilling. So yeah. it's a good job and I love it. I'll probably retire from this job. That's, that's awesome. And yes, speaking of uh, doing, uh, so ah. you're one of the <laughs> few strategic doing practitioners in the state, uh, and that's a program that we use in our Community Catalyst program. Um, so I wanted to ask you about that process and how you've utilized it in your career. I love strategic doing. I mean, I really do. 
most people that know me know that I walk fast, I talk fast, and my day is 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 absolutely perfect if I get the to-do list done, get all those things done. So strategic doing, I, I think I was drawn to that because it's um, it's about leveraging assets from different networks and bringing those together and focusing on focusing those combined assets on uh, short-term projects that actually support a larger goal. And so a lot of times I think we do planning and we get all bogged down because the task is so big, it's hard to eat the, the big elephant all at one time. And strategic doing, I was drawn to that because it gives you a, a way to eat the elephant one bite at a time in manageable pieces. Now it doesn't, it doesn't replace strategic planning. That's still very important. But it for me, it was just a, an easy way to move from the planning to the actual doing process. Um, but I think I think the thing that kind of hooked me in on it was just the four questions, because these four questions, if you think about it, so strategic doing asks four questions: What could we do? What should we do? And what will we do? And then finally, what's our thirty thirty? And and in strategic doing, 3030 is basically shorthand for where we are now and where we're going over the next 30 days or so. So I'm relatively new to, uh, I've only had my certification to do this for a few years, but I have had some opportunity to do it with uh, some community colleges staff, a couple of community organizations. And I actually have, have integrated that into my uh, managing of staff and planning here uh, in, in my routine career. So um, the what could we do? I really like that because it's about what do we have the capacity to do? But what's important is it's not, it's the capacity that we have among the group. Who's at the table? Not, oh, if we had somebody here or if we just had this, what can we do with the assets that we have right now? That way there's no excuse for not moving forward. We control everything that we need. What should we do? Well, what's the easiest? What's gonna get us the biggest bang for our buck in the shortest amount of time for return? And what's gonna have the greatest impact what will we do? For me, this is the tricky one, and this is where it really moves it into why I think I'm drawn to it, is what will each one of us individually, not as a group, but individually commit to? And what will I be, what am I saying you can hold me accountable for? If I say I'm going to do this, I will have it done by that time so that I can help move the group forward. And so then the 30-30, I, I just love the concept of the 30-30. Uh, what do we do in the last 30 days? Do we need to adjust something? And if so, or if not, what are we going to do in the next 30 days? And oh, by the way, I'll be checking on then to make sure that we're still on task. So um, I, I really like strategic doing. It's a it's a, a, a great concept, not only for uh, organizations, nonprofits, but for business, uh, industry, individuals, families, uh, communities at large. I would love to get my hands on a community and do um, like you guys do, community-wide strategic doing where you bring all kinds of assets to the table and, and approach all kinds of different kinds of challenges. So good on you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting my certification now. Um, so yeah. I'm uh, working through that. And it's, it's a really incredible program. And I'm you know very grateful that we get to do that in communities, like you said. I'm working with a college right now to bring together not only the CPI staff, but student success people, adult ed, Different, different factions on that community to address the question of how do we move more people to completion or you know whatever framing question we decide that we use, but bringing those different networks together because you know, there's not a, I can't think of a single problem in this world or in my business concern that I have total control over solving. 
I have to count on other people and other departments and other outside organizations. Uh, just got to bring all those assets to the table. Absolutely. So, so in addition to being a strategic doing practitioner, you're also certified as a Bridges Out of Poverty and Workforce Stability Trainer. Yes. Um, you've touched on this a little bit, and you seem to have a passion for helping folks understand uh, the struggles of under-resourced individuals. Um, so I, I wanted to ask, this is, this is a big question, but I wanted to ask what has been your biggest takeaway from conducting these workshops over the years? I've thought about that, and, and here's what I would say on this. I wish I had the ability to convey to community leaders that um, that just because particularly community leaders who have never struggled, if they could just understand that it's not as if, as simple as just, oh, if they could would just get a job, they wouldn't need government benefits. Or I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, why can't they? And the truth is, Dylan, not a single one of us can account for our success individually. Somebody has helped us along the way, whether that was cash, uh, a word of encouragement, doesn't matter. All of us have had some sort of level of support. And so if I could speak to community leaders and say, I want you to think about what it's like to walk a day in the life of any of my CPI students, young lady that had her child, three siblings and a mother in jail, how she worked as hard as she could and she's made it, but not without help. She would not be a nurse practitioner if it hadn't been for CPI and community resources. So I would like to say that to them, poverty is a, is a severely complicated, wicked problem, and there are no straight answers to it. And it's a highly politicized situation, which makes it even worse. But I'm, and I know I'm not naive enough to think that there's not people out there gaming the system. But for the most part, the people I've run into, they have perhaps never had a, uh, an example set for them. They may have a family member holding them back. Uh, there's all kinds of dynamics that go along with that. But I would remind this audience that one of the key principles of the community development process is to identify all your stakeholders and bring them all to the table and allow individual stakeholders to identify the things that impact them and then also be have a voice at the table to identify what those solutions are. And for me, those in poverty have the smallest voice at the community decision-making level because it's hard to get uh, people who have limited resources and they feel excluded and have no voice at all, it's hard to convince them that they are going to be listened to. But we have to make that effort as community leaders. That's part of our job. So that's the challenge I'm throwing down today is to uh, um, find out what their particular needs are through talking to them and allow them to have some input on the solutions. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, and, and finally, we mentioned this before, but you have gone through uh, the Community Development Institute. Yes. Uh, first first class to graduate, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, what advice uh, do you have for folks who are going through this program now? Well, you know, that's a hard one, Dylan, because um, it's been a long time ago. We started, the first class started in 87 and we graduated in, no, 88. So it's been a while. I've slept. But I think you just have to learn from it. And everybody that I've been that I've been associated with since I graduated, hardly anybody's there because somebody made them go. They're all very interested in learning and getting better. Uh, but I would also say that you can't go to CDI and think that you're gonna come back and you're gonna be the experts. Community development is a skill that you learn over time. Just like you wouldn't expect to 
swim the English Channel the first day you bought a swimsuit. I mean, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to take some swim lessons and you're going to have to practice and you're going to have to cough up some water here and there. It's not going to be comfortable, but all of a sudden you're going to find out that you're a pretty good swimmer and you're going to be really good at it. And that's what community development is about. For me, that is the you get those that base skill level at at CDI and then it's up to you to learn to swim. I mean, and to practice those skills and become really good at it. I think that's how community development happens. Um, CDI was was a huge, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but it was a huge happenstance for me. I was uh, at Southwestern Bell. I was a community relations manager. My office was in Conway. And my boss came to us one day and she had been involved in getting CDI started. Part of the utilities that were working on CDI. And she said, well, who of y'all would like to go to this thing called Community Development Institute? And I said, well, it's in my town, I'll go. I had no idea what I was signing up for, but you know, I like to learn. That one conversation and that one I'll go changed my life. It changed my career. It changed my options. It changed my set of friends. It just changed the direction of everything that I wanted to do professionally. So people um, who are there, you, you know my daughter, Whitney Orton. She's a graduate too, which I'm really proud of. Uh, I get really tickled and, and really thrilled when I she'll say, Mom, you know, I called so-and-so. She was in my class at CDI, and we, we talked about so-and-so, and, and this is what we decided would be the best thing to do. And it just thrills me to see that she is making those connections because I made friends at CDI that I still keep in touch with and love dearly, uh, personally and professionally. So CDI teaches you skills, but it also gives you great resources to draw on through the, through the nature of longtime friendships. So I encourage everybody to do that. I'm a little jealous to tell you the truth. Back in the early days, we were building that sucker as we flew it. I mean, truly. And so now it's so much more professional. And you guys, the leadership in the last few years, Amy and Shelby and all the people that have come through there have done such a good job. Uh, your outreach program was the last piece. I watch you guys pretty, pretty closely and you do a really good job. And I'm just grateful to have been a part of it. It's been a great experience. I, um, loved every minute of it. Well, what a great testimonial. Well, we're going to put that on the site. Okay. <laughs> I might want to clean that up a little bit. I, I might be a little precise with it, but you, can, you, get the, you get the main drift of the conversation. You guys, you guys do a great job and very proud of you. Well, we appreciate it. And yeah, Monisa, thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast today. You're uh, you, you literally wrote the history book on CDI yeah. that I read before I started. So I really appreciate <laughs> your work. Um, well, that's what happens when you're the last woman standing, you know, you're the, the, the institutional knowledge and, and you better get it now because the brain cells are going quick these days. So uh, <laughs> Dylan, it's great to, great to talk with you today and hope this, hope this helps out. Absolutely. Uh, on upcoming episodes, the CDI podcast will feature CDI graduates and participants, community partners, and community and economic development experts from across Arkansas and the Mid-South. We hope you join us next week on the CDI podcast.